N.T. Wright is a well-known, well-respected New Testament scholar. Written tons and tons of stuff, um, some of it highly academic, some of it a little more easy to grasp. Um, I remember this book I got in seminary. It was about this thick. Um, and when I packed up after seminary, I was supposed to read it for some class. When I packed up after seminary, I, I took the plastic wrapper off the outside of it um, because I had not read it for that class that I was supposed to read it for. Uh, I just couldn't keep up and get it all read. But I love N.T. Wright stuff now that I'm not reading tons and tons and tons of stuff. Um, N.T. Wright says that we need to stop thinking about Jesus as if he is Superman. I think many of us like the idea of Jesus as some version of Superman. You know, Clark Kent, as you looked at him, he looked very ordinary. He looked very normal. Everything looked pretty simple. And yet we know that even though he looked ordinary, that underneath the disguise of Clark Kent, he was always all-powerful. It wasn't the blue suit and the red cape that made Superman all-powerful. He was still all-powerful when he was under the, the, the guise of Clark Kent, when he had on glasses and this kind of nerdy demeanor that went with him. Still, he had this unimaginable power. But that's not the image that the New Testament gives us of Jesus. We don't get the idea that his human body was somehow a disguise covering up the reality that he as God could do anything and everything that God could, that in some way he was Superman. Instead, the scriptures tell us that Jesus was fully human and fully divine. And because he was fully human, the passage we read in Philippians reminds us that there are certain things that he had to release. There are certain abilities, certain divine abilities that Jesus had to surrender or lease or release or limit in order to truly be fully human. He took on the limitations of what it meant for him to be a person who was fully Human. And all over Jesus' story, as we read through what we call the Gospels, where we've been for several weeks, as we look at Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, as we look at those four books of the Scripture, we see the limitations of Jesus painted all over the stories that are taking place. The ways in which Jesus was limited, really by a multitude of things. Sometimes we watch as those limits are about Jesus' humanity. The fact that because he was human, there were certain things he gave up. Sometimes those limits... We're about the divine will, the understanding that Jesus had of what God desired and therefore what Jesus also desired. Sometimes we see Jesus limited because he tended to not force people to do anything or make any decisions that they weren't yet ready to make. Sometimes we watch Jesus be limited because of his own health or his own um, spiritual needs. The spiritual nourishment that he needed. So he would limit some of the activities, some of the things that he would be a part of in order to continue to care for himself. Sometimes we see him limited because of a commitment to priorities. Priorities of what was the most important and what needed to happen at this time or what needed to happen at that time or what order in which things need to happen. And there are all kinds of other limitations that we watch take place in Jesus' story that never even get explained to us. Why didn't Jesus heal everyone? Why didn't he go everywhere he was requested to go? Why didn't he let everyone that asked if they could follow him go with him? 
These questions aren't necessarily clear. Sometimes they fall under some of the other limitations, and sometimes they just are. And we don't exactly know or understand why or what's going on. But it's important for us to understand that God self-limited in order to become God in the flesh. So in order for God, in order for Jesus, who was with the Father all the time, in order for Jesus to come and live as a human, there were certain moves towards self-limitation that had to happen in order for him to live life fully human. Personally, I also think that there was some self-limiting that happened in Jesus because Jesus desired for his disciples, those and these, to understand that we all have limitations that are upon us. We are all limited in some way. You and I are limited by a multitude of things. We're limited by the amount of time in the day. Sometimes you feel that limit. Yeah, wishing you could fit 26 or 27 or 28 hours into the 24. We're limited by the amount of money in our bank account. We're limited by the size of our house. We're limited by our own personalities and the ways in which we relate to others or interact with others or or certain gifts or desires that we have. Our personalities in some ways bring limits upon us because there are certain things that we're just not wired to do the way we are. Our responsibilities and sometimes our life decisions bring limitations upon us. Marriage, if you have decided to be married, brings limits On what you can do and how you can do it. It's wonderful. Got to make sure I say that. She's on the front row. But it brings limits with it. Living single brings limits in it. Whether that's a choice or whether that's reality of where you are or whether that's something that's happened in life that has, has pushed you there without your own intent. There are limitations in life because you're single. When you have kids, there are limitations that come. Sometimes if you can't have kids, there are clear limitations that are there. But there are limits that are brought on us because of those life situations. If you're taking care of a loved one for some reason, there are limits that are brought into your life. There are certain things that you can do and that you can't in order to get all those things done. There's an endless list of things, a multitude of things that we could begin to say, we have limits that come upon us because of this, because of that, because of this choice, because of this life reality, because of that expectation, because of this way in which we're, there's a multitude of limits that exist over us. If you remember, as we've looked at the the emotionally healthy discipleship stuff that comes from Pete Scazzaro, he's written a multitude of books and we've walked through some of those small group studies together. He challenges that we should receive The gift of our limits. Did you hear that? Receive the gift of our limits. I remember the first time I read that subtitle in one of his sections and I thought, what is this dude, crazy? What do you mean receive the gift of limits? I don't do that well. I don't like to admit I have any limits in the first place. And if I'm willing to admit that I have them, I don't want any of you to know that I have any of them. I don't want people around me to know that there are limits on my life. Callie's never seen any limitations in my life. Sorry, again, that one was supposed to be a little bit funny. I need Mike to bang the drums up here and go, yep, failure once again. I don't like to admit that there are limits in my life. I don't like for people to know that there are limits in what I can do and who I am. As a matter of fact, a lot of times, even when I see limits, I begin to think of them as things that I'm supposed to overcome. 
as opportunities for improvement, of areas that I need to get better, of ways in which if I can just do this or do that, then I can overcome that limitation in my life or that difficulty in my life. But Jesus' model of living with limitations seems to be far different than what is my typical mode of operation and what I suspect is the way in which many of you work also. Jesus seemed to live in a way that showed that those limits were there for a reason. And I think Jesus even believed that the limits in his life were a blessing. That they were a blessing to him, that they were a blessing to his followers, that they were a blessing to the calling that had been placed on his life, and that they were a blessing to those people whom he wanted to show love. Jesus received the gift of his limits. And according to Paul, in the passage we read in Philippians, it actually says that he did more than receive it, right? It says that Jesus chose them. In verse 7 it says, instead he gave up his divine privileges. He surrendered them. He let them go. He chose to do so. He took on the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. There's a story really early in Jesus' ministry life that gives us a really great um, example or model of what it looked like for Jesus to live within the limits of his call and the limits of his humanity. The books of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, three of the four, all tell the story of Jesus being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. Three times we see that he was tempted to dodge the limits that were upon him because he was human. The first, feed himself, turn rocks into bread. He was hungry. The second, miraculously save or protect himself. Jump from a high place and call down angels to rescue him or to take care of him in some way. And the third was to bypass God's will, to shortcut his way to glory and salvation for all the world. Now, as we read these temptations, again... I think sometimes we're tempted to think of Jesus as Superman. But I think it's important for us to understand that if Jesus was truly tempted in these moments, he had to have had the right, the opportunity to choose either path. Otherwise, it's not actually temptation, right? Yeah? You guys all still with me? Everybody out there? This cloudy weather has us all a little dreary today, doesn't it? Not only did temptations mandate that he had to have this opportunity to choose both ways, I even think for Jesus to have been tempted, I wonder if it doesn't mean that there was a piece of him that longed to choose the way of Satan over the way of God. A piece of him that wondered if that didn't make more sense, that wondered if that was better. But Jesus chose to live within his limits, chose to live fully human and to stay in that place, and he chose not to. To sin, but instead to stay faithful. In Scazzaro's, in one of Scazzaro's books, he, he quotes uh, Reinhold Niebuhr, um, a name that many of you wouldn't recognize, and that's completely appropriate. Um, but he says that Niebuhr says that the very nature of sin is the desire to overcome our limitations and finitude because of anxiety about our creaturely existence. So there's some big words in there. I don't really like big words. I don't read a whole lot of Niebuhr either. But ultimately, he's saying that the root of our sin is a desire in all of us to live without limits. The root of all of the sin that we do is because we long to live unlimited, unbound by anything. 
The root of our sin is because Chad wants to live more like God than like Chad. I want the freedom to do and say whatever I want, whenever I want, and to have complete control over everything. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm all too familiar with these temptations to live outside my limits, to be in control. But in order for us to be faithful to our desire to truly follow Jesus, I think we have to receive the gift of our limits. In order for us to be the kind of leaders that we need to be in our church, in our family, in our school, in our community, in our workplace, we need to receive the gift of our limits. And it sounds a little bit paradoxical, but I think the reality is you and I can never fully be who we were created to be if we're not willing to accept the reality of our limits. We cannot be fully who we were created to be if we aren't willing to say no. We have to have the courage to follow Jesus' example. We have to have the faith to follow Jesus' teachings. We have to have the willingness to lead in Jesus' ways. And Jesus showed us that leaders say no. Does anybody else struggle with that just a bit? I do. I mean, there's a rub in that. The idea that leaders say no, especially Christian leaders, especially church people, especially ministry leaders. The idea that we are supposed to say no sometimes because of the reality of the multitude of limits that exist in our life. I think there's some reasons that this is important. Just a a few reasons I want to talk about today. Some reasons why it's so important for you and me to be a people who are willing to say no. Willing to receive the gift of our limits. I alluded to this first one already in that we can't be who we were created to be if we're not willing to say no. If we don't receive our limits, if we don't live within the limits that are a part of our life... If we don't say no to certain things that are outside of those, we cannot be who we were fully created to be. Chad was created to be Chad. Not you, not Randy, not John, not Beth, not Don, not Mike. I was not created to be any of you. I was created to exist as Chad. I was not created to be the Apostle Paul or Billy Graham or Pete Scazzaro or N.T. Wright or any other person that might be bringing inspiration into my life at these moments. I am created to be me and you are created to be you. And when we live in any way that denies that, we deny That God created us good. When we in some way deny the good or the bad of who we are, who we're created to be, the gifts or the limits that are a part of our life, we proclaim that this creation is less than ideal. That God could have done better here. When we fight the limits of our personality or our health or our calling or our abilities or our responsibilities. Or I could go on and on and on and on. When we fight against those limits, we communicate that God somehow made a mistake here. Friends, we need to hear loudly, boldly, and clearly, you are not a mistake. 
Nothing about you is a mistake. Your gifts are not a mistake. Your limits are not a mistake. You are not a mistake. In fact, the scriptures tell us that you specifically and us corporately are fearfully and wonderfully made. It tells us that you, that I, we are the beloved of God. It tells us that we're so worthy of being loved that God chose to self-limit, to become Jesus, to live in humanity, to be a baby, to grow into adulthood, to walk through the suffering of the cross and all that came with it, and then eventually to rise from the dead. But it was because you and I are loved that Jesus would do all of those things. When we're willing to be a people who live within our limits, who say no when appropriate, who say no when it's outside that, we actually are able to become all that we were created to be. The second thing that I think is incredibly important is that when you and I are willing to say no, others are able to be who it is that they were created to be. When I try to do everything, others cannot shine in the way that they were created to shine and to flourish as part of the kingdom of God. If I try to do everything in our family, everything in my house, then Callie and our kids don't have the opportunity to shine, to serve, to fulfill the magnificent ways that God created them to exist in our household. If I try and do everything in our church, everything for Valley, then you don't get to show off the beautiful gifts that you were created to exhibit in our community. Folks, I am not the church We are the church. We are to live into that. And when I do it all, we can't do it. As I thought about this this week, it made me think of my friend Marla. Marla was a woman who was in our church that we were in in Missouri for a time. And it came to a place that in the office, I realized I needed some help. I needed some folks to come around and help me. So Marla was one of a handful of people that I asked to take charge of an afternoon and to work around the office uh, those afternoons, helping the church and helping me out with, with different things. And the longer Marla was there, the more and more I began to see these gifts and abilities that she had. So over time, more and more, I started letting go of some of the things that had landed on my plate and putting them on her plate. And every time I did so, she blew me away with her capabilities. She knocked it out of the park. She did things I never even imagined were possible when I would hand her these kinds of things to do. It's a lot of the reason why we have Cindy in her role now, because Cindy works in a very similar fashion. As I was looking to leave... Um, Albany, as we knew that we were being called to come to Valley, I, I went and I had a conversation with Marla and with her husband, Jeff. She'd grown really, really dear to me, and I wanted to share what a blessing she had been to my life and my ministry here. And we talked about the things that she was able to do, these incredible capabilities that she had. And I assumed that the reality was I just missed them the first two or three years that I was there. That once I called her into those, all of a sudden I could see what she knew and what everyone else knew. But in the conversation I had with her, what I came to find out is she had no idea that she could do the things that she had been doing. No one had ever given her the chance to blossom and to bloom before. No one had ever given her the chance to work and flourish in that way. No one had ever asked her to serve in the fullness of who she was created to be. No one, including me, for the longest time had ever been willing to say, No, I won't do that so that she can do that. 
And once we were willing to do so, she began to flourish. And I am so thankful that I got the chance to see Marla in that light and in that world. Friends, we steal from others. And we diminish the fullness of God's creation when you and I are unwilling to say no. When we're unwilling to receive the limits, the gift of the limits in our lives, we steal from other people. We damage what it is that they could do because others can't display their limits if I'm not willing to get out of the way. Or can't display their gifts if I'm not willing to get out of the way and let them do so. A third thing that I think is is really, really important and a reason that we are supposed to say no is because when we do so, God gets to more fully be God. It's hard to imagine that you and I have the ability to somehow limit what God can do or what God is doing. It's hard to imagine that we have that kind of control over God. And I would say that, that probably control is a poor word. We, we, don't, we don't necessarily have control over God. But I do believe that God has a tendency when we're running around all the time like chickens with our heads cut off. You know what that means, right? We use that in Baltimore, not just in Kentucky. Yeah? Okay. Making sure. When we run around that way, I think that God once again self-limits And allows us to run crazy rather than pushing us out of the way. So instead of doing the things that only God can do, God lets us run around and try and take care of them for as long as we last. In the very final temptation of that temptation story that I mentioned, in the very final one, the last temptation that was put before Jesus was that Jesus would bypass God's path to glory. The offer that Satan put before Jesus is if, that if Jesus would just bow down to Satan for a moment, he could repent afterwards, it could all be washed away, but if for just a moment he would bow down to Satan, then in that instant, all of the world would be saved. Everything would be taken care of immediately. The real temptation that existed under that is that Satan was giving Jesus the ability to accomplish what God desired to accomplish in a much faster manner. Whole lot easier, whole lot more efficient, whole lot easier method of taking care of it, especially for Jesus. Jesus wouldn't have had to suffer through the difficulties of the next three years of ministry. There's no cross that he would have had to to take on. Because in that moment, in that instant, it would have all been handed to him. It would have all been taken care of. But doing so meant that he would have had to bypass God's plan, the limit of God's plan in the way that God desired to be work. God desired to work. And even as I say that, I try and read your mind and wonder if there are some of you thinking, well, that's foolish. I mean, why in the world would that happen? Why would Jesus do that? Obviously, that doesn't make any sense. And yet, how often do you and I live in a way in which we try to be God? In which we try to do God's work for God. Not, not in a way that I mean be partners with God, which we know we've been called to do, but in the kind of manner that says, you know, God, if you would just let me take care of this for a while, I've got some ideas to pull it off way better than the way you're doing it. I mean, I, I've got some thoughts that, that could help this happen a whole lot more quickly, a whole lot more efficiently. I'd feel a whole lot more comfortable, God, if you, if you just let me run with this one. I think I know how to take care of it. And God, I'm, I'm just not sure you know what you're doing right now. You all look like you have no idea what I'm talking about. 
Is it only me that thinks that way? Only me that thinks if, if, I mean, golly, I can think back to all the situations in my life. I think about when I was single and didn't want to be. And the multitude of times that I thought, man, God, if you just get out of the way, I could take care of this whole thing. Times when I, I didn't have as much money as perhaps I wanted as I was walking through something that was hard. And I would think, God, you know, I mean, I never said this. We don't say these things out loud, right? Just in the back of our mind, we think, God, if you would get out of the way, I have an idea for I could fix how I could fix this problem. I mean, let's be real honest. All that stuff I talked about a moment ago, realities of where we've been as a church, how many of us have been tempted to think, I could fix this problem. I mean, I know how to take care of this. I, I, I could just solve it all. If God would get out of the way and we would do it the way that I know we need to fix it. Instead, we wait and we listen and we pray and we watch. Too often we are tempted to do God's work without God, to move on and just take care of everything. When we are willing to say no, God gets to flourish in God's role. God gets to play the role that you and I were never intended to play. The role that is way too much weight for us. That's way more pressure than we were ever asked to take on. I actually wonder if there are some of us as church people that question if Jesus told a little white lie in the scriptures. A little white lie that made following him sound a little more easy, a little more comfortable when he said that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Because it doesn't always feel very light to me. It doesn't always feel very easy to me. And then I'm pushed back to the place of wondering, perhaps I'm carrying a load that I was never created to carry. Perhaps the problem and the reason that things seem so difficult is because I'm trying to do God's work for God. So friends, are you and I living within the limits that we were created to live with? Are we trying to carry God's load? Are we allowing God to be God, for God to do the work of God? Are we allowing the, other, the opportunity for others to show and to grow in their gifts and their callings? Are we saying no to those things that are beyond us? Are we willing to receive the gift of our limits? Are you and I, I think it's you and me, being all that we were created to be and nothing more so that everyone else can be what they were created to be and God can fully do what only God was ever intended to do. This is one of the reasons that at Valley we talk about Sabbath a lot. We talk about it in our small groups. We talk about it in sermons. We mention it in all kinds of different places. One of the reasons is that Sabbath is a central spiritual discipline that pushes you and I to say no every single week. Sabbath forces us to live in the limitations of who we are. To live in the reality that God is God and can go all the time and that I am not. Sabbath is this time where we are reminded of who God is and reminded of who we are. That we slow down, that we stop, and that we release the things that are God's to God. So many of our other spiritual disciplines that we talk about actually do the same thing. They empower us to be exactly who we were created to be. To release all of the other things that we try and take charge of and to let God flourish as God. They give us permission to say no. 
And when we say no, it's a piece of bringing creation back to the order that it was supposed to exist in. What would it look like if you and me, what would it look like if Valley was willing to receive the gift of our limits and to pursue all we were created to be by saying no? Pray with me, would you? Jesus, would you give me courage to say no? Would you give us willingness to refuse the things that are beyond our reach? To receive the gift of our limits and to live within the boundaries you have created us to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.